some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. And I saw that bird kick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue what was throwing rocks in our vicinity, good sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and looked back, and that's when I thought I saw one. actually attacked two railroad workers, uh, killed livestock, you know, just a lot of weird stuff that was going on. Monster Xers, and welcome to Monster X Radio, sponsored as always by the Sasquatch Coffee Company. Sasquatch Coffee, have you tried it yet? Check it out online at www.squatchcoffee.com. With me today is my good friend and consummate Bigfoot researcher, Mr. Shane Hardcore Corson. Mr. Corson, how are you today? Hello, sir. Doing well. Just got back. (laughs) Just got back, well, doing well, though I managed to bugger up my knee, but uh, that's another story. Having said that, doing awesome. Just got back from uh, the Olympics up at our um, Olympic Project uh, base camp and uh, hung out with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, OP members, you know, Jeff Southern, Derek Randall, Sean Pickering, David Ellis, um, uh, Josiah and Abigail Bernard, and uh, of course Cliff Berkman was up there with us, uh, um, hanging out and doing some research up there, and a lot of hiking. So great weekend back, uh, back to the show, and I'm glad to be here. We have a great guest this evening, and I'm really looking forward to talking with him. Uh, how was your weekend, sir? It was good. I I had an opportunity to watch um, Justin's documentary, uh, Wild Man. Uh, my search for Sasquatch and enjoyed it. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of John, Dr. John Bindernagels, and he is on um, featured prominently in in the documentary and uh, and I, I I enjoyed it. I like the theme. The his photography was outstanding. Um, we'll talk more about that as as we talk to Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I had a great weekend, um, and I'm but I'm really stoked because uh, this time next week I will be up in Canada participating in a field research project with uh, Todd Neese, uh, Ron Moorhead, um, Thomas Steenberg, and um, as well as uh, I'm sorry, Tom, I'm forgetting your last name, 
but uh, I'm reading it now. Tom Seward. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we are going to actually be up um, checking out uh, some islands off the coast of British Columbia for about 10 days. So um, I'm, I'm really stoked. To, I was uh, honored to be invited to participate in that. Uh, we do have a uh, GoFundMe campaign to help offset some of uh, our expenses. If you want to check it out, the link is on uh, in the Monster X group. Uh, and appreciate all the people that have supported um, our adventure so far. So, yes, that should be exciting. I'm really, really looking forward yeah, to uh, what. Uh, yeah, looking forward to what Todd put on here, and he's got a great group of individuals heading out. Uh, of course, you know, I'm excluding you, Gunner, but uh, the other guys. <laughs> yeah, wow, uh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to see. Uh, Todd's been planning this for a while, and um, it's a kind of a unique endeavor as as far as the longevity of you know that many days out there. So it, I'm excited to hear what you guys bring back or potentially can bring back. I, I'm stoked. So uh, a couple things that are coming up, the Honabee uh, Bigfoot Festival in Honabee, Oklahoma, is coming up uh, September 30th and October 1st. Uh, the Big Sky Bigfoot Conference in Hamilton, Montana, takes place October 21st and 22nd. Of course, uh, the Sasquatch Summit here, in ocean, up in Ocean Shores, Washington, that I will be attending. Are you making it this year, Mr. Corson? I will I be. I, I will be making it. <laughs> I will be making it this year for sure. All right, and that's November 18th and 19th. So uh, there's plenty of time to get your tickets. Um, it's never too early to start talking about the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. The Ohio Bigfoot Conference. 2017 announced their first two speakers this week, and Lyle Blackburn is going to be speaking along with Tom Powell. Um, online tickets uh, tickets go on sale online starting December 3rd. So, and they sell out pretty fast. They, you know, he has Mark does a great job over there, and uh, it it's uh, I'm hoping to make mm-hmm. the make it to this one. So. Um, next weekend is, I see, thank you, Henry. Next weekend is the Hawking Hills Bigfoot Conference, as well as Minerva Monster Day, both in Ohio. So plenty of Bigfoot uh, uh, conferences. You know, we're getting uh, close to the, we can see the end of the year from here. So um, get out and, and uh, it's always fun to to go and talk to folks at conferences and listen to the speakers and, and uh it, I, I always learn something, and, I, and you, you hear great stories, and uh, that I, I uh, am looking forward to the Sasquatch Summit coming up here shortly. So, absolutely, yep, good stuff. Well, and if you would like to uh, introduce our guest, Shane. Yes. Uh, so we have um, our guest this evening. And forgive me, Justin, if I pronounce your your uh, <laughs> your last name wrong, Trepanipsky. Uh I've been trying to practice that, but I probably totally screwed up. And uh, he is a documentarian uh, that has produced um, a fantastic documentary on uh, and entitled "Wild Man: My Search for Sasquatch." And it just uh, it was um, actually released 
earlier uh, this month, and um, I reached out to Justin because uh, I really liked uh, the sneak peek that I saw of it, and the fact that he had anything with John Bendernagel for me is is a win-win. Um, I absolutely love the guy. He's a good friend of mine um, and has over the years been a mentor, and so I was immediately drawn to it, and um, for Justin to do what he's done and put together a spectacular uh, documentary with the scenery and uh, stuff uh, really excited me. So um, let's go ahead and get Justin on the air and correct me on his last name. <laughs> Hello, Justin. <laughs> Hi there. How are you? Good, doing well. Great, uh, and and uh, for, forgive me for butchering your last name. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's you're close. It's Chernopesky. Pesky, thank you. Um, but thank, no, fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, of, of course, you are in Alberta, Canada, correct? I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So you're a little bit ahead of us, but not by much. But uh, well, once again, thank you for joining us. And uh, man, uh, I'll tell you what, killer, um, killer uh, documentary you put together. Uh, I, I, I want to get into it big time. But uh, first of all, can you just give us a, a little breakdown about yourself? Um, you know, uh, just a little uh, bio for the, the audience, uh, so they can uh, you can kind of fill them in about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, my name is Justin Trinopesky, and uh, currently I'm a wildland firefighter here in Alberta. But uh, in my spare time, I like to go out and take photos and make videos. So. Yeah, and uh, you do a lot of uh, so. A little bit about your background, but what what got you uh, what got you interested in the subject of Sasquatch in, in general? I think we might have lost Justin there. I believe we did. We'll uh, have to get him back on here, but uh, actually, he's still online. Oh um, no, he's dropped now. <laughs> he dropped. Well, he As can we call wait back for Justin in. to call back in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways, Gunner, uh, I have not had the opportunity to see this documentary yet. I was on, you know, it was on my my list. Uh, unfortunately, you know, in the process of oh, there's Justin back now. Well, I was going to say in the process yep. of trying to sell a house and going out to the woods, uh, I did not. But I look forward to uh, Justin. You back with us? Yeah, the call dropped there for some reason. But, uh, yeah, weird. But anyways, I'm sorry. So wildland firefighter, and we, we, we you kind of, kind of cut off from there. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, I've been working in Alberta as a wildland firefighter for the past year. Uh, before that, I was doing uh, kind of tourism jobs. I used to work in Jasper as a raft guide. So, so. Justin, you're you're cutting in and cutting out. Yeah, I'm kind of losing you, Justin. Do 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 do. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you got a little there? technology. Yeah, yeah. You're for whatever reason, not sure, but uh, I thought we you, you dropped again. We're just you're cutting in and out a little bit. I'm not sure if uh, uh, okay. you have a good connection or not. I'm not sure. I've got a lot, quite a bit of here. Yeah, you can take your time. Uh, you, like I said, you're just kind of cutting in and out. Um, right. Um, you sound good now, uh, but uh, okay. 
Yeah, I know. You know, sometimes with uh, it's it's uh, with blog talk and some of these uh, more long distance uh, phone calls, uh, we do have issues. Been a while, but it does happen. So uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, well, uh, I can hear you fine now. And uh, you, what's cool about um, being a uh, you know wildland firefighter and a guide as well? I mean, you're quite the sound like quite the outdoorsman. Yeah, I try to get it out as much as I can. I know I love spending time outside, and there's stuff to see and lots of things to discover. So, exactly. lots of yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah, well, no kidding. I mean, and and of course, you know, I mean, uh, being involved with <laughs> you're you're talking about you know a couple of you know extremes. I mean, the the firefighting up there uh, that's pretty pretty unique and 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 awesome. And then being a guide, um, right? What what got you? Uh, obviously an outdoorsman and, 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 and a traveler. What got you interested in the subject of Sasquatch to begin with, or Bigfoot? To begin with, uh, my dad, who got me into the subject, was quite mm-hmm. young, probably like four or five. Back when people used to rent movies from the store, we would go there and <laughs> have a section with <laughs> back in the olden days. Um, be like a documentary section, I remember, and it was all full of films on Bigfoot and aliens and ghosts and crop circles and that nature. So I was I was showing that kind of stuff at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Always been interested in it, but taking it until more recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, your dad, like you said, got you in- interested in the subject. You kind of always having an interest in the subject. Uh, what uh, what got your dad interested in the subject? I mean, why would your uh, dad bring that up? Was it just, uh, you know, was it his upbringing? Um, I mean, I kind of know the answer, but, uh, you know, your dad did, in fact, have somewhat of uh, an experience, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, but I watch, and I can't remember what it's called, but it was back in, like, the it was yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Justin, I hate to be that guy, but you're you're still cutting in and out just a little bit. Um, uh, no, quite uh, a bit that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> well, quite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry about that. Oh no, it's it's all right. Uh, I'm just trying to get to make sure because I I hate missing parts of a conversation and then trying to catch up. I just want to make sure, yeah. uh, especially for the audience that, you know, um, you know, you get the floor and everything you said is heard. So, but, uh, your dad, uh, apparently had an encounter of some sorts. And, uh, so obviously it's stuck in his head to, to either speak about it with you or put the interest, you know, um, to you. Well, the first time I heard about it, he was, and he believes it was Sasquatch. Like, there's in his mind. That's what he believes it is. So I flee and wanted to explore that further. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what was your dad? I mean, I have to ask you. What was your dad? I mean, are you guys? What was your dad's upbringing? Uh, I mean, what what did he? Uh, what was his knowledge of, of Sasquatch before his experience? Do you have any idea? You ever asked him that question? I honestly never really asked him that. I knew he had seen all the same films I saw, and he was always kind of generally interested in it. 
but once he had his experience, like now he's trying to find every Bigfoot documentary he can find and every video on the right. internet he can see and learn as much as he can. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want, I definitely want to talk about the documentary and some of the experiences and stuff that that's in the documentary without giving away the documentary, but your dad did have an experience um, that he could not explain. Uh, I know he was not by himself either. So, um, yeah. And, and, uh, uh, was your dad, a was your, was your dad a hunter at all ever? Or, uh, you know, is he a pretty outdoorsy guy? Uh, actually not really. Like he, he enjoys going out fishing. That's kind of his mm-hmm. thing. So gotcha. that was the reason he was out in the bush when he had his encounter. But, uh, he grew up in Saskatchewan on the prairies. Oh, so, There's I mean, chances of... are he knew, what I'm getting at is he, he probably knew a lot of the wildlife and, and, uh, and what, what they're capable of doing and not doing that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, what what got you? So you got this this Sasquatch interest, this Bigfoot interest, uh, was given to you. Uh, you you had this interest, and then your dad had this 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 encounter. And what uh, got you interested in, in maybe putting together? I mean, what sparked the interest in a documentary? Well, um, my big interest is of course filmmaking, and I've always wanted to do my own project and make a film and show the world. But uh, it seemed to me like an interesting topic because right when I was thinking of, of making a film, my dad had told me that story, and mm-hmm. I thought it would be a, a fun project to take on. So I chose that, and I rolled with it, and mm-hmm. now here I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and had you done anything prior to that as far as uh, filming? I mean, you had an interest, but had you done anything prior to that, or was this just like one big leap of, of faith uh, in, in, you know, uh, I I did a bit of volunteer work on a feature film before that um, mm-hmm. here in Alberta. Actual film. Right, right. But you know, you had a little bit of experience because uh, this. I mean, you traveled to uh, Vancouver Island and 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 whatnot, and and did all, you know some traveling. How much research, you know, putting this documentary together. How much research did did you uh, actually do to on the subject of Sasquatch, but also, you know, did you just already have an idea as to where you wanted to go, or was there an epiphany there? I mean, what what went when when went there? Well, the reason I, I went out to Vancouver Island mainly is because that's where my dad's encounter was, and I had known prior that it was kind of a hot spot for activity all along the west coast there. So I already knew that that would be an excellent spot, but like pinpointing a location was kind of, it's harder to do. One of the biggest things about filming the documentary was finding locations that not a lot of people go to. And if there's access there, there's a lot of places that do have access and don't have access. And yeah, want to try to get out to the remote places where not a lot of people are going but then again it's harder to do that with a vehicle especially right right yeah and i would imagine um you you had a limited budget i mean you're you know limited budget and you probably i don't you probably had a limited amount of time correct yeah exactly yeah yeah i, I had to take some time off work to, to get everything done and yeah but the budget is an issue but <laughs> of course. I made it made it work. <laughs> That's still you did. You did. Yeah, I it it looked it was really visually done really well. I liked I enjoyed the the 
the panoramic views of the forest. I mean, it really captured what what uh, was you know the vastness of of the wilderness. So I appreciated that. I also am a big fan of Dr. Bindernagel, and and uh, she, he was featured prominently in your film. So, but I also liked watching your your excursions um, first to the area where your dad had his encounter, and then your the second piece where it was you and some friends of yours that went out into another area. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I thought it I I liked it. I appreciated the the it it looked like a professionally put together uh, documentary. So, well, thank you. Well, thank you. It was, it was a big challenge, kind of. <laughs> Go ahead. So, you, Justin, you, you you put this documentary together. Um, yep. What 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 you know for the, the viewing audience, you know, what was what were your goals? You know, most people have put a documentary together, and the ones I've you know have spoken to, they they do have some goals, not necessarily an agenda sometimes, but goals yeah. or what they want to. Um, get across to the audience. Going into this documentary and having completed it, what were some of your goals going in, and what did you discover going out uh, as a finished product? Well, one of the main things I was going after was being able to show the audience that there is a lot of space out there where things can be hiding. And it's also accessible to the average person like you don't have to be a scientist or have a lot of money to go into the woods and and look for for something like sasquatch and that's kind of what i'm trying to convey is that anybody can go out there and with mixed beliefs and you know see if you can find anything there's there's lots of space and and you shouldn't really judge and say oh it can't exist it can't exist when you know, you don't go out there. You have to go out there and go to these places, and and they're out there. The, the places are out there. It's really remote, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's under you know so uh, goes without saying in a lot of ways unappreciative is the vastness. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I I I've been all through California. Um, I've been Oregon, Washington. And I've really never been to Canada uh, in some of these other areas, but all I have to do is look at a map. And I have plenty of friends in these areas, including John Bindernagel. And um, the the amount of forest is actually <laughs> it's huge. It's ridiculously huge. Uh, uh, put Sasquatch aside, I'm sure there's many other discoveries to be made. I mean, they're still finding stuff to this day in some of these woods and forests. Um, and it's amazing, you know, with the scenery in your in in, in your documentary. It does a really good job at at showing that, a really good job, yeah. and uh, it, it can be overwhelming. I, I um, you know, two weeks ago I was up at Mount Hood here in Oregon and and was looking at the vastness uh, and the beauty, and then I'm up at the Olympics this weekend and once again up on you know the mountain and and looking around going wow it just it blows my mind all the time. Well, looking at the pictures in the film from your documentary, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, it you know I know Sasquatch to exist, but for those you know, science right now is not involved in this. I mean, as a whole, uh, and it'll yeah. take a lot for them to do that. Um, but I, I really appreciate the fact that you did a great job in in, in capturing um, the vastness and the remoteness of some of these areas, and that was something I think you really tried to put into the film. 
Yeah. Um, like, obviously, there's lots of of industry that goes on in the forest these days, lots of, like, oil and gas stuff and forestry and logging. But there are lots of places. Like, if you're standing in one specific spot in the mountains, and just what you can see in front of you is quite a bit of space. Mm-hmm. So, Well, yeah, but yeah, the logging of... thing, too, though. The logging thing, you know, uh, they do replant, reprod and everything else. It, it is replanted. So 40, 50 years later, you have your your forest back again in some of these areas. You know, a lot of the yeah, areas yeah. where um, Sasquatch are seen are in these these areas. Uh, so, um, that's, you know, I know there's a lot of, especially nowadays, <laughs> a lot of heat and debate about um, w- what the, with the logging industries and, and everything else. But they do go back and replant and um it's not just a, a, a waste field. Uh, maybe it could be kicked back a notch. I don't know, but um, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, your film did show that there is still a vast, vast uh, amount of forest, and and there's areas where people have never put a foot down in some of these areas. You know, and Vancouver Island's pretty dang amazing. Uh, in your film, uh, where where else did you go? Yeah, the first the first part I was out on Vancouver Island, the first half of the movie, and then in the second half I was um, very close to a place called Nordegg, and Nordegg has become very popular for bigfooting. There's lots of expeditions that go on near there. They apparently have a situation site that uh, I don't know the exact location of the site. I kind of ended up where I was by chance. I was kind of driving down a logging road, and we were trying to get to a certain location that I had found looking at maps on Google Earth, but the road ended up being washed out. So I kind of had to stop at this dead end, and we kind of set up camp there and did our excursions out from our, our little base camp. So Nordegg is it's along the, the Rockies, right at the edge of the Rockies in Alberta here. And uh, it's kind of, kind of in between Jasper and Banff, which are two really popular tours areas mm-hmm. and uh nordic itself doesn't get very much attention because it's kind and of i'm sure that's kind of what you were going for go ahead gunner no uh justin prior to starting your uh your project here had you had any personal encounters of any kind uh that i'm not sure about there's a couple mm-hmm. instances where i where i thought i might have mm-hmm and uh, the fir- the first one was, I think it was back in 2011, and it was in the winter, the middle of winter, um, in eastern Alberta, actually. And this part of the province that I was in, it's called Lac La Biche, and it's just, it's forest, it's wilderness, there's lakes, trees everywhere. And uh, it was late in the evening, and I was, I was on a, a cross-country ski touring expedition for about a week. And uh, it was with my school program I was in for for tourism, and uh, it was late in the evening, and we could hear these knocks in the distance, and they were echoing. Like it sounded like wood knocks, like the typical wood knocks you'd hear um, that a bigfoot that bigfoot are known to to make. And so we were listening to them, and they were coming from coming from one spot. And I kind of already knew that to be a thing that bigfoot are supposed to do to communicate. And I said to my friends, I, I said, uh, you should listen up. Maybe in a, in a bit we'll hear a few knocks in the opposite direction. And sure enough, 
like a minute or two later, we heard like three consecutive knocks coming from the completely opposite direction, and they sounded the exact same. So it's kind of weird. I always thought about that, <laughs> that it could be from Sasquatch. So, so did you have – you alluded to like there was more than one time that you had something questionable that made you think you might yeah. have – Go ahead. What else did you find? The other the other time it was in 2014 in the in uh, I think it was in July of 2014 and I was out west of Nordegg in the same kind of area I was filming in later on and it was in the middle of the night I kind of woke up and I was I, I think I was half asleep so I'm not sure to this day if it was a dream or not but. I, I thought I woke up and I heard footsteps walk by my tent, probably about 20 feet in front of my tent, and they were heavy footsteps. There was about three or four of them, and then after I heard the footsteps, there was a, a grunt, like a uh, like. And then I kind of just fell back asleep and didn't even think about it until, I don't know, probably like 24 hours later. Well, I do appreciate the fact that. You, you're willing to admit that it could either have been a dream <laughs> or it, it, without alluding to the fact that, you know, you're not saying that this was Sasquatch. And that's something I, I have come to appreciate from <laughs> those that have uh, had something odd, an odd experience. Uh, I appreciate the fact that when someone says I had a Bigfoot encounter experience and they go on to describe it, and yet there could be other possible explanations, uh, something I've come to appreciate. I mean, in fact, I mean, but. I was up at the Olympics this weekend, and we 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 had some interesting stuff happen. Uh, heard by multiple individuals, and um, but no one was claiming it was Sasquatch. It was just very odd, given the circumstances and everything else. And uh, that's why I enjoy talking to people like you and, and working with people that I work with. Is that they're very skeptical because uh, these things, you know, your mind can play tricks with you. And um, there's a lot of known animals that do act and behave um, that get you know, in this in this fashion that Sasquatch gets pinned to, um, but uh, of course there's a lot of unexplainable things that <laughs> doesn't match anything. So uh, I do appreciate that, and uh, I mean your your documentary um, reflects that, right? I mean it really reflects that you're not out to say everything was Sasquatch. You know, you're you're reliving your dad's experience. You're, you're talking to individuals, and you're going out there. It's, it's wild, man. Your search for Sasquatch, and uh, um, that's something that I think makes for a great documentary uh, because you're basically just going with the facts. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I told myself when I first started, like my goal is not to prove to the world that Bigfoot exists. I knew there was a very slim chance I'd be able to do anything like that, but it was more to prove to myself that it might be out there and, and just to see what I could, what I could find for myself. And mm-hmm. I've always wanted to know, I've always been fascinated by it. So it was something I had to learn more about and it's a mystery. I love mysteries and it's a, a big adventure. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so where do you stand now with 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 Sasquatch? You, I mean, what's the the probability in your head of its existence? Now, after the fact, mm-hmm. well, after after the Nordic trip, I'm more leaning to it, like being an actual thing. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to know for sure 100% until I see one and shake hands with it. But <laughs> Good luck with yeah, that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it could very well exist. And after finding little pieces of evidence and having strange things happen, mm-hmm. um, I don't. It makes me wonder. So I, I and, am leaning and, more towards the believer side. Yeah, and well, and the wonderment is—it's fantastic. It's awesome. Uh, uh, I hope one day that you get that experience or that sighting. Uh, but how is how is Sasquatch from your perspective? This has always been an interesting thing to me because, uh, you, you know, the United States and Canada being, you know, on the same continent is cool. But uh, I find talking to people that it's perceived differently in both countries. What's your perception on that with Sasquatch in general? I mean, how do Canadians see Sasquatch with your, you know, with your experience in talking to them? Are they more open to talk? Are they less open to talk? Do they do a lot of them just accept it, or do a lot of them shun it? Um, it's it's weird. It's kind of like 50-50. It depends who you're mm-hmm. talking to and what their background is. And it seems like in Canada, for the further east you go, mm-hmm. the less people are willing to talk about it because they don't have, you know, experiences in Alberta and in, like, like Saskatchewan, uh, and in Manitoba, there has been a few sightings and uh, and encounters, but they get yeah. less and less dense the further east you go. But especially like if you go if you go out west of Vancouver Island, people it's like an everyday thing. There's Sasquatch reports all the time, so people because it's a real thing. Yeah, there. you 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 said something intriguing there. West on, but what's the population like on the west uh, end of Vancouver Island? sparse <laughs> exactly exactly it is sparse yeah. if you actually so on one end of the island uh, towards uh you know the more populated areas they do have encounters um but on the and i've talked at length uh, with this i've talked to john benernagel about this and cindy dosen who lives on the island as well and she's part of the Island project um she had an encounter on on vancouver island uh i'm not sure if you're familiar with her justin but that that sparse end of the island, um, well, people are less inclined to talk about it, but they do have uh, a lot of stuff going on. But it's it's that's where I would expect the majority of encounters would happen. But there's just less people, right? So it's the same thing here. Uh, I believe in the United States, specifically talking about like uh, the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, and Northern California. You know, um, that's where I would expect. Sasquatch to really be around is in these less populated areas, though they do come into the more populated areas at times, is that these encounters um, are, and they're more accepted too. It's like not, I won't say an everyday occurrence, but some of these people that live in some of these more remote areas or less populated areas, they have a lot more going on and they also talk about it less, you know, and to me that's, that's intriguing, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because for them, it's not like a crazy thing that they have to tell everyone. It's a, a normal thing, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're going out east where there's more people, there's also where there's more people, there's more stories and made-up stuff as well. So you got to be careful with that. <laughs> right. I, I like areas where people are less tainted with uh, – because, I mean, quite honest, uh, uh, the phenomena – 
as we know, as Sasquatch and Bigfoot has become mainstream. And so it's, you know, with technology nowadays um, and social media, it's become so prevalent that people will hoax you and lie and be interested in the subject and not be educated on, you know, I mean, you can have someone that's never been in the woods before go out to the woods one time and hear a knock, which is probably a woodpecker or anything else, and claim it's Sasquatch. But it's those people that live in these more sparse and unpopulated areas that know, I mean, they, they're in the woods, and they know every sound that has this stuff go on. Um, that, that That's the stuff that intrigues me, and, 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 and that's one of the reasons, I'll tell you, and I would lo- I want to talk about the subject at length because uh, it's important to me, and it was in part of your documentary. But John Bendernagel is is one of those guys. He's very practical, uh, and and I mean very intelligent guy, uh, biologist and everything else. What what I got to we'll get to some of the other questions I have. But what why did you uh, seek out John Bendernagel? And I mean, how did you um, were you aware were you following John for a number of years, John Bendernagel? Or, or uh, how, did, how did that happen? How did you reach out to John and get him to ju- jump on this? Well, I had known about John previously through seeing him on TV as a kid growing up. So in my mind, he was the guy who, who, who knew everything. And he was, I don't know, kind of like I, I, I would look up to him on the subject. And, and that's why I chose to, to get in contact with him because he seemed like he was level-headed and he – he had a lot of experiences and knowledge to share. So I ended up, uh, when I first started the project, I, I emailed him. He had his email address on his website. Mm-hmm. And I, I explained to him uh, my dad's experience. And he kind of let me know like how, how seriously I should take it, the experience my dad had. And he also said, like, if you're in the Vancouver Island area around Campbell River to stop by, around, well, sorry, not Campbell River, he lives in Courtney. Um, he said swing by and he could show me some track casts and some other kind of things and he could tell me what I needed to know. So yeah, it wasn't until about a year later after I first contacted him that I ended up. And then I drove down and, and it. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. Here. Good. Now, now it sounds like we lost Shane. Shane, are you there? No, no. I was getting ready to ask another question. I was waiting for Justin, okay. but I was going to ask Justin. So John, <laughs> John, John showed you uh, the original track cast that his wife and himself himself had found. You know, correct? Uh, it, on that really kind of opened his eyes in a lot of ways on Vancouver Island. Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool to be able to hold that and look at it up close because I before then I had never actually seen a actual track cast and it's a very nice one like it's very defined and yeah, as you can I mean, see we're talking about it, a biologist a wildlife biologist that that uh, they came across it I mean here's a guy that you know has been working with Dr. Jeff Meldrum you know who's that's his thing is 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 is, is the foot anatomy and and and, and whatnot and comes across this this you know track find uh this this impression and um it I have seen it in person it's pretty amazing it's one of the best um that I've ever seen and uh, he recognized Very defined, certain, yeah. yeah certain features on there that just really stuck out to him 
and uh, that, that's really cool. You got to see it at his house. Uh, can you describe uh, John a little bit, John Benning a little bit? I mean, I, I know him well, but um, from uh, you've had little contact with him until you actually met him. Can you describe John a little mm-hmm. bit to, for the audience? Uh, I really would appreciate <laughs> it because for me, John Benningle is is um, he's a bit of a hero for me. Uh, I have little little heroes, yeah. very little heroes. But he's one of those guys, like you said, growing up, you paid attention to, him, and, and he's very level-headed, pragmatic, and everything else. But he's a uh, he's just a stellar guy. And if you, you know uh, your your first impressions meeting him and talking ah. to him. Yeah, well, he's full of energy, which. Is crazy. He's not getting any any younger, but he has the energy of a twelve year old. He's very <laughs> enthusiastic, and uh, I was very with how welcoming he. Was. I went to his house, and uh, I had a bunch of camera gear to bring in, and photo equipment out there at my vehicle, like helping me carry it. I'm like John, like you don't have to do and carry all this stuff. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I got it. Like he was, he was very, very nice, and uh, that wasn't really. I didn't really expect that, but it was very. He made me feel very welcomed in his home, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like most people I'd imagine who are on lots of TV shows wouldn't be like that, but he's very uh, humble. He's very humble. Like yeah, yeah, super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you nailed it. He's a very humble guy. Um, very smart. I mean, the guy is ridiculously smart. Knows his animals. Knows um, a tremendous amount about Vancouver Island, but but also a lot about Sasquatch. He's one of the guys that, if you ever um, are interested in the subject and want to know something uh, as not as a known, but the possibility, he's the guy to go to. I mean, just uh, and. I, I, I can't he's say enough so about pragmatic. him. He's, he's so just so pragmatic. pragmatic about it. He, I mean, that's he doesn't. Nothing's embellished. There's no sensationalism about his approach. He's frustrated, and he just, as a matter of fact, that it's frustrating to him. And it's and this is in in Justin's film is yes. He's frustrated with the fact that science refuses to look at the evidence that's out there. He's not asking science to validate. That Bigfoot exists. He just wants. It, it's he's kind of flabbergasted by the the idea that that science refuses to look at at the evidence that exists. And and he talked to you a little bit about that, Justin. Uh, what else did he you know have to say along those lines? Well, one of the things he he was exposed to exist. Look, photographic evidence is is good enough to prove an animal exists and, and video, but in the case of the Sasquatch, photos and videos are not good enough, and track casts aren't good enough. And it's it's not really fair, you know. But uh, any other creature that it's it's a photo, but just because of the Sasquatch is. Well, the, you, you think you that's know, because of the kind implications, of, the implications of proving a Sasquatch versus proving some other animals. But there's also, you know, the whole tabloid persona of the Bigfoot. 
you know, versus other undocumented animals. Yeah, it's it's just not taken seriously. Right. Because it is all over the media. And there's lots of, I don't know, there's lots of funny things about the Big Feathers. Lots of <laughs> films and movies that are funny. Harry Hansen's. Right. Like yeah. It's it's hard for scientists to, to want to follow that and, you know, reputation, but it's good to know there's, there is people like Don. Right, right. To pursue and, that. And, so. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I've talked to John at length about this, and it's in a lot of his books and in a lot of his lectures and presentations. Uh, I, I think his biggest issue is just that. It's not that Sasquatch could exist. It's that academia and science as a whole is not really – really looked at the evidence uh, more wholeheartedly and scientifically. They just kind of uh, scoff at it and laugh at it. Uh, there there are, you know, a few scientists involved with this, John Mindzinski and, and Dr. Jeff Meldrum, and amongst others. Uh, um, uh, very few, though. Very few. But it's almost, uh, when it's almost look, like yeah. the, the, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. I mean, it's that mm-hmm. I can see three pictures of Sasquatch, and and uh, and they're having their eyes, ears, and mouth covered. That's kind of the scientific community's approach to um, Bigfoot research. Not not that Bigfoot researchers haven't shot ourselves in the foot to some degree, but that's another <laughs> show altogether. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sure. If... <laughs> oh, sorry. So go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure if uh, we had the full support of the scientific community and and the resources available to them and the funding and everything, I'm sure it's just a matter of time before something profound is profound happens. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think if if uh, you got enough of the right minds uh, behind this and the right funding, because funding is a huge thing. Um, uh, I mentioned before in the show, and I, I just like a, I beat this horse to death, but uh, it, it, I love the Jane Goodall approach. And I don't, I'm not talking about habituation, but it's it's being out there for a length of time, um, extremely lengthy time out there, uh, you know. And uh, unfortunately, science isn't back in this right now. And so you have a lot of weekend researchers or weekend warriors, and uh, and you have others as well that have more time. You know, uh, I know I spend a ridiculous amount of time in the woods, but it's still, in my opinion, not good enough. It's just not good enough, uh, and I'm willing to admit that. It's just not good enough well, right now. An, uh, but, it, but it is what it is because, unfortunately, pretty much all Bigfoot research is done by citizen scientists that have to support themselves by having a job. So until somebody hits the lottery and, and – uh, I mean, even, you know, you, you do a Bigfoot – we're doing a, a pretty extensive Bigfoot uh, expedition out to uh, off of British Col- islands off of British Columbia next week. So and, and uh, coincidentally, we'll be stopping by and seeing Dr. Bender Nigel on the way up. So we'll tell him you said hi. <laughs> but uh, but it you know it's it's every, it's all being done on people's own dime. Just like Justin, I'm a, I'm assuming that. You built, you did this documentary on your own dime. Yeah, I did. It was to- totally self-funded, so you have so, to be passionate about it to, mm-hmm. to right. lay your money on the line. 
Well, yeah, so, and, and, and your documentary really shows the passion. I mean, it shows the passion, uh, the amount of work you went into this. Uh, is, I can only imagine, you know, uh, uh, and in the editing and everything else. I mean, to put this together and then um, and and uh, have you what what kind of uh, what kind of uh, positive feedback have you gotten on on this particular documentary and what kind of negative feedback have you gotten on this documentary mostly it's mostly been positive and a lot of people are praising the the cinematography and the visual mm-hmm. I like taking photos and I like things that are pleasing to the eye I think it's a big part of storytelling so no it was and people that, that was something that was something that stood out to me too. Is the the visual? You you really captured the vastness of of uh, the wilderness. I mean, some of your panoramic shots were like very. I mean, very professional, very well done. You know, you've seen if you've watched anything in, that's been done about Bigfoot, a lot of it's done fairly cheaply. This looked very well put together. So and. Um, and the score, even the, the the music was done well. So, yeah. And as far as negative things go, I think the the only thing I've heard so far are upset that you have to pay to download it. But that's, that's <laughs> filmmaking for you. <laughs> yeah, everybody but, wants something uh, for free, uh, and that's unfortunate. You know, it's it, and that, it's funny because you got this documentary. And it, it costs you money and time and time off work and everything else, and, and you put it together. Well, uh, why should you not be? You know, I mean, you're, you're providing a service and, and a fantastic one at that. But it's funny because <laughs> I find the same thing when uh, people want. In, you know, nowadays people want instant gratification. You know, um, p- people are so mm-hmm. impatient uh, with with. Uh, research in general of the sas you know on sasquatch you know they want that you know uh that's why youtube uh videos on sasquatch become so popular and that's why people take advantage of that um and take advantage of uh what people are doing in the field you got a ridiculous amount of of people claiming to have seen sasquatch and have a habituation sites and this and that because they know uh frankly that people eat that stuff up they eat it up so uh yeah, I appreciate the fact that uh, you know um, you put this together. Well, I'm more than willing to pay for it if I want to see it. They don't have to uh, pay for it because they don't have to see. Well, it. Well, they do if they want to see it. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, hey, yeah. I I have no problem. I mean, it's funny as um, because this you would pay you know what eight bucks to go see a movie in the movie theater and and you can buy this for fourteen bucks and have it forever. It's I bought it. I I uh, am going to share it with uh, with Jake, who is an up and coming Bigfoot researcher, and Susan, and and I will watch it. And I watched it today, so it's it, and it's worth the money. I mean, I, I don't I don't get the why people think that everything, you know, if, if you don't want commercials in it, then then it has to be paid for some way. Somebody put a lot of time. It's obvious when you watch this. Somebody put a lot of time. And, and energy and effort and and financial resources into to putting it together. So don't be cheap. Go out and buy it. If you it's it's for and I'm telling you I I it's worth watching. So um, 
go to Vimeo and, and download it um, and watch it. You'll want to watch it more than once, so you might as well just buy it. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and, like a, and, and this is not a paid commercial. <laughs> <laughs> no. I actually I'm, paid, the budget, I the paid budget to watch drained. it. So. Right. So. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that was kind of interesting to me on, on watching the two different segments, basically, is the first one you were out by yourself and, and you're uh, how nervous and, you know, it, it, it would be typical of someone who's not super comfortable in the woods being out by themselves. Can you talk about your, how you felt about that, that whole segment about how you were, you know, you're out in the woods by yourself in an area you're not real familiar with by alone and you're looking for Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, well, obviously like my background, I've spent a lot of time outside and in remote places, but driving 2000 kilometers away from home and I'm on an Island and it's poor weather and, and I'm expecting, I have Bigfoot on my mind the whole time. So that's what I'm thinking is going to show up. And it was scary. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was nervous and I was really creeped out. So I was in the middle of nowhere there, there was nobody around for miles and, and it, and it was creepy. And, and the, the forest out on the West coast is a lot different than it is in the Rockies. It's especially in, uh, in know, it's kind of gloomy and rainy and, it takes a lot out on you on you mentally when you're out in the rain for for a week, expecting to get a visitor in the night. So. Yeah. Did you encounter anything other than Sasquatch that kind of freaked you out while you were out there uh, filming and being in these areas? Um, I I didn't encounter anything out on the island, um, but around Nordig. Uh, we we saw a rather large grizzly bear. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is and there's bear tracks all over the place as well. So you have to kind of you have to be able to judge the tracks you see and say, oh, that's a grizzly bear. That's a black bear. That's a I don't know what that is. That's a something else, one. right? <laughs> <laughs> and you you had that experience in in the Nordic area. Was you found some interesting actually first you had some interesting uh um audio stuff happen and then you you found some other kind of uh interesting quote unquote evidence i mean you found are you uh do you want to talk about that a little bit sure yeah um well the first like we showed up at our location it was pretty late in the day so we kind of just wanted to set up our camp and take it easy for the evening. And we weren't really filming that much on the first night. Um, I admit we should, the camera should be rolling all the time when you're out in the woods. Cause if, if you're going to see something, it's going to happen quick. But in that case, we were all tired. We just wanted to get set up and eat dinner and, and just relax. So we, we set up and, uh, I think the first the first thing that happened it was really late I think it was around midnight and we were all sitting around our little campfire and not too far from our we heard like a loud crack like a it was obviously wood cracking and then it sounded like a tree falling so that 
startled us and we jumped out of our chairs very excited and nervous and we 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 didn't really find anything we kind of trekked into the woods in the darkness but it's it's so hard to see anything so we had to wait until the next day to explore that further but you know obviously it could have been a tree falling it could have been a bear doing whatever bears do at night and uh i don't know you have to you have to like out of all the area out there the one tree that falls is right next to you so you kind of have that on your mind as well yeah yeah in like I've what had, are the odds yeah it, what are the odds you know uh i've had similar experiences uh with trees falling over with no wind and uh at, at a weird hour and close to your campsite uh that with with of course well, with other stuff going on right. that that right. makes you think you know i didn't see a sasquatch push over a tree but i did hear some odd vocals and Howl, stuff yeah exactly. you know to have well, it fall you know specifically with my uh case uh that close to camp given everything else that happened makes me wonder but still it's just a wonderment it's not anything i could prove that it wasn't natural but uh it still sticks on my head you know even this past weekend uh being up the olympics had some very odd stuff happen uh <clears throat> involving rocks well, let's talk about yeah go ahead let's tell i mean tell your story jake or jake <laughs> shane <laughs> well no i mean I, once again, you know, we get, we went to this area up in the Olympics that um, we, we we go to frequently because of some of the you know things that occur in this area. Uh, we've heard some odd vocals. There's been some sightings of some stuff, and uh, it's a fairly remote little area. Great body of water and, and a waterfall and everything else. And I'm the first one to reach the head of this waterfall, and here come uh, thank God John Pickering <laughs> yelled at me. Because there was a rock uh, that just missed my head, and it was a good-sized rock. And had it hit me, I would have been dead because it came from. A, I, I saw it last minute and dived. Well, I have a broken hand, and <clears throat> I landed on my hand, and of course it hurt. And I was trying to get away, thinking, "Oh, rock fall, you know, crazy, you know, uh, I'm in trouble." Uh, I managed to dive out of the way of it and whizzed over my head. And um, he he had seen something up on this uh, particular ledge uh, that caught his eye, you know, uh, and so there was, it, we had spooked something, uh, and I won't say anything was thrown at me, I don't know, no one saw anything throw anything at me, but there was this um, rock, <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, kind of freaked us out, you know, so yeah. staying around there. I would have been there, doing uh, the show solo today. <laughs> yeah, almost. I mean, really. I mean, had this rock hit me, I would have been, I would have been dead. Uh, it was, yeah, you know, a good sized rock, and coming from a we great can laugh height. about it now. Yeah, yeah, uh, somewhat. But yeah. <laughs> uh, eight minutes later, around the corner, some more rocks are coming down, and uh, yeah, it, it's like this thing progressed from one height uh, on a ledge down lower. Uh, the second rock fall, and I'll call it a rock fall because it did look like these rocks were coming off the hill and not being thrown. There was small, you know, but it could have been natural other than the fact that John thought he had seen something and that's what brought his eye up there. I mean, because you didn't hear rocks falling. The rock right. came down after he had seen something. So um, it could have just been, it could have been a bear or a cougar possibly, but 
it, that was it was odd, and 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 in fact, that night back at camp, uh, at our camp, we had something big, snapping sticks and breaking stuff, and uh, walking around up behind some of our tents, and there was uh, we were Multiple very well witnesses. spread out. Multiple right. witnesses, Multiple very yeah. spread out, and right. um, very spread out. And they all, you know, uh, next morning, uh, everybody described something, you know. And uh, um, I would have gone out my tent. I would have gladly gone out my tent and tried to, to, to flare something, but unfortunately, I had hurt my knee pretty bad, slipping on a rock, and I was in no position to get out of my tent. Uh, some others, I think, did, um, didn't see anything, but there was something big walking around. Uh, breaking stuff and and uh from I'll, I'll be honest with you from my perspective i it was raining i thought oh it's just rain i'm hearing you know large drops hitting the ground but then i heard you know sticks breaking and so in my head i'm thinking elk <clears throat> but uh i did hear a, a knock and so that kind of was like hmm, that's interesting and, and and what i was hearing didn't sound like elk it sounded bipedal but once again i didn't see it so i don't know but Another intriguing, you know, thing uh, that just happened this past weekend in, in a, an area that uh, I'll tell you uh, about 20, not even 20 miles, uh, 15 miles away, uh, there was a fresh daytime sighting, um, uh, and I say fresh because it just it happened on the 9th of this month in an area, well, I'll say close to Forks, Washington, and it uh, was a... I think it happened at 2:45 uh, p.m. You know, in the late afternoon, where this guy was driving, saw uh, what he described as a very ape-like thing cross the road in four to five strides, and he freaked out. I mean, it was just wow. Here's this thing cross the road. It looks ape-like, and it's big, and it's hairy, and it's walking on two legs. So, uh, this time area, yeah, right <laughs> in the same. Gen- I mean, really, uh, we're talking, you know, miles, but. What are miles to a Sasquatch if that's what he had seen? Uh, so, anyways, very interesting stuff, and uh, um, I took a lot away from this weekend. Weekend, you know, unfortunately, it was pouring down rain, so audio kind of sucked and uh, uh, whatnot. But it was intriguing uh, for the fact that there was multiple witnesses to a multitude of things, um, and of course, could be explainable. But yet, um, pretty interesting stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, that, saying? so yeah. Justin, yeah. Some, there was you had some other things happen in the Nordic Nordic portion of your your documentary. You you had some loud noises, and then you guys w- went out um, and and did some looking around the next day. But you you found some things fairly close to camp as well. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The, well, this was. This, Um, we for the day, we were just going to trek out into the woods and see what we could find in the general direction of where we heard the tree fall. But before, right before we were going to start hiking, um, we noticed on one of the vehicle windows there was handprints. There was two sets of handprints, and they were weird looking. Like the, it's like if you take your hands and put them together with your thumbs, kind of like you're making a butterfly. I don't know, with your hands and, and press them on the window. It, it looked kind of like that to me. And there and were two different they were two different sizes. One of them was 
you know, just like the average hand size. And then the other set was almost childlike. Like it was really small. It was weird and it was creepy. And there were fingerprints, like dermal ridges. And they were oily. Wow. Mm-hmm. That I didn't understand. How, like, because people's hands aren't usually that oily, but it was very oily. And there was black smudges of kind of oily, I don't know, residue on the on the car. It was it was a white vehicle, so it showed up really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What what about did they look human like? In the fact, that, I mean, one of the things about impress, uh, hand impressions that I love is the position of the thumb. And uh, we have an interesting one from an area we've researched in on a vehicle um, where the thumb is almost primate-like. It's set much lower. Uh, did, how did these impressions for the audience, you know, to imagine, uh, did it look human-like? Or did was there anything on that other than the greasiness uh, that stood out to you that kind of it, looked like, it, yeah? Like, you, it's, it was hard to make out the thumbs because it's like they were together kind of. But okay. they they did seem human-like. Mm-hmm. But no, none of us, like, we were the only ones there, so the only time somebody could have came and done that was, the like, earlier in the day, maybe we when we stopped at a gas station, maybe somebody came along and pressed their hands against the window, them and their kid. I don't I don't know. We, mm-hmm. we didn't see anybody do that. When you guys were looking at them, one of the guys was talking about like the thumb didn't fit like their finger, like it, it was not in the same position as their as like a human hand. I, am yeah, I did I, I miss that? Yeah, I mean it seemed like he was talking no, about yeah. well this doesn't look like it would fit a human hand. They were we were all trying to figure out what it could be and how the hands could have been positioned to make those shapes and. Like they were just so odd. Like who, who would close a car door with both their hands like that? Especially on a window. Like when you're closing your car, you're not slamming it with the window or pushing the window. <laughs> and like the smaller yeah. prints were a little bit higher up too, which was kind of bizarre. Like you'd think if it was a kid, they would be lower. But they were up mm-hmm. higher. So I, I don't know. It was just like a weird, a weird pattern that was just hard to kind of decipher. And at the same time, when we saw them, we were very, very excited, and you miss certain things <laughs> in the moment, which is unfortunate. But yeah, yeah. Was there any any uh, anything around? I mean, you guys. I mean, obviously, you're walking up to a vehicle, and you're not <laughs> expecting to find uh, uh, prints on on a vehicle. Did after the fact, did you guys notice anything uh, impressions on the ground or anything that was peculiar? Didn't really notice anything later. A few days later, and it's in as well. There was trap. Was one. Yeah. It was next week, and uh, that was probably about twenty or thirty meters away from our camp. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah. And and you guys were. You guys were pretty remote. I mean, you guys were out there. Um, So if it didn't occur at the gas station. I mean, it makes you wonder. <laughs> it, like, it's it's a location that we weren't expecting. So, it, it was totally random. We didn't know the road was washed out. We had to stop there. We we could have turned around and drove the road it would have taken six 
hours. So we just decided to stay there. There's there's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and that that's funny because um, that's usually where people have some sort of odd experiences. Is uh, you know, I had an encounter in 2011, and I wasn't out bigfooting or you know doing anything with research. I was out fishing, and I didn't spend anything other than I was in a great area, uh, kind of a remote area, and had an encounter. And it was the last. I mean, I won't lie. I was in an area where I you know it was you know, but I didn't expect a bigfoot experience and it happened and that's usually when you're least prepared <laughs> it seems that you, you sometimes you get these these encounters and experiences and it sounds like you kind of came possibly across the same sort of scenario and setup yeah like i i don't when i look at it now and put everything together all the experiences all the things that happened around nordic it i don't know like it it kind of seems like if it was a if it was Bigfoot or like it could have been a juvenile one kind of messing with us or or whatnot because everything happened kind of in the same general area really close to our camp. Um, the tracks we did find in the moss were in the ju- direction where we heard the tree falling, just a little bit further past that. Mm-hmm. So, just looking back on it, it kind of seems like something was hmm. trying to interact maybe things that, I, don't, I don't know things that make you go hmm mm-hmm. so you i mean and you guys how how far out did you guys find these the tracks you guys went i mean it didn't seem like you were that far away from camp in no in the, it was probably about probably about 300 meters away from the camp between three and five it's, it's hard to say the terrain there is right. ridiculous there's lots of steep hills and and stuff, so it's hard to kind of gauge how far away it was. But and and uh, in addition to these other impressions that uh, looked more like a bare human footprint, you found some some grizzly impressions that were really fresh. Yeah, and they were they were very close to the suspicious tracks that we found. So it was easy to like look at the the grizzly bear tracks. And you could you could see it clearly, like that's a grizzly bear track. And then you go back to the other ones, and you're like, oh, that is not a grizzly bear track. What is this? Why is there a naked human being running around the woods by our camp? Because what else would it be? Like we we don't know. <laughs> Maybe not so much naked, but at least barefoot. <laughs> at least yeah, <laughs> yeah, barefoot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were barefoot, and then there was other bare human-looking footprint so yeah i mean i'd be more freaked out by finding these fresh grizzly footprints than than what looked like bare human footprints and they weren't i mean they weren't abnormally large they were and it it, so it kind of I, i always say all evidence requires context so the footprints that you found you found basically two different size or excuse me impressions that uh in, yeah. in the mosques you guys found, you found two different sizes, isn't that correct? Yeah, there was, we found the first one, and it, I think it was just over 12 inches long. And you could you could see the toes, like you could count them, and you could put your fingers where the toes were, and, and it looked weird. Like there were, the toes were kind of spread out on the first one, but then the next one that we found was probably about 15 or 20 feet in front of that, 
and it looked more like human shaped. But the weird thing about that one is that the toes, they dug really deep into the moss and you could stick your fingers in the hole, like where the toes were and they kind of curl back, which I thought was totally bizarre. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was, it was from two different creatures or is it from the same one? It's hard to tell. And yeah, why were they about two? the same size? They were very, very close. Uh, the second one with the toes that kind of went deep down to the moss, it was, it was seemed a little bit longer. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love, love, love uh, seeing and coming across uh, impressions such as what do you speak of, uh, where the toes are kind of spread out, and they're very prominent. You, I mean, you can make out toes, and they're spread out because of uh, that's personally what I would expect to to find uh if if I you know in regards to Sasquatch, you know, being uh you know, Sasquatch wouldn't wear shoes. Uh, they're not wearing moccasins, you know, I mean their toes would be uh a little more free. I mean yeah. yeah, our, our toes, toes I mean be more splayed. Yeah. Our toes are only so close together because we wear shoes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean if we yeah. went without shoes our toes would be are naturally more splayed. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah I, I, I was going to say the Oran Pendic. You know, it's from something Cliff Berkman's working on in Indonesia. Uh, it, it, every track impression found, the toes are very splayed. And I don't think it's a Sasquatch we're dealing with there, per se, uh, as an unknown primate or hominid. But the toes are very splayed. And a lot of the more interesting uh, impressions uh, um, that I've come across and I've seen and, and you know, uh, been shared with me, the toes are slightly splayed, uh, sometimes to an extreme and sometimes not so much, but they don't fit in within, within the – even a barefoot person, someone not wearing shoes, they don't fit in within that parameter. They stick out like a sore thumb. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, your description, you know, is very interesting. Uh, and you didn't notice – with those impressions, Justin, you didn't notice any claws or uh, – uh, maybe a double a double bear uh, step, you know, where where you know, uh, you know, and bears are, you know, a lot of Bigfoot uh, um, re- reported Bigfoot finds, as far as impressions are concerned, um, a lot of times they're they're just a double bear print where the bear, you know, puts its 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 front paw on the ground and then steps on it, you know, from the back with hind leg or whatever. It, it looks like one impression when in fact it's two. You didn't notice any of that. And, like, it was good to have the the bear tracks nearby because you could just walk and reference them as opposed to the other tracks, which were going in a different direction. But the the track we found with the splayed-out toes, like, the the heel of it was very narrow compared to the front front toes. Yeah, yeah. did you get any idea looking at these impressions um, as to were they fresh in your opinion? Uh, I, I know you're not a tracker per se, but do you get any idea as to were these fresh tracks? I, I don't know the weather you guys were in or the scenario exactly, but in your opinion, were these fresh? I mean, the bear track and the other, you know, uh, you know impression. It it's they seem to be, and like when you step on the moss there over time, the impression will just rise up. It's a very 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 thick moss, and it seemed to be 
fresh almost as the bear tracks. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad we were there after. Right. We on edge. Thought. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 one of the things that a lot of people throw out there is that bears are afraid of Sasquatch and uh, they won't be in the same area. I found kind of quite the opposite. Um, not that you know, I would imagine there's uh, like anything else in, in the woods. As you know, if if in fact Sasquatch is a predator, um, is that there's a, a healthy respect and stay their distance, but they can coexist in the same area. Uh, possibly, you know, I don't know this factually, but uh, given the amount of research I've done that, you know, uh, you will find bear impressions sometimes uh, alongside, and I mean within proximity, uh, not necessarily right on top of, but in the same area as as possible Sasquatch impressions. So it doesn't blow my mind that you found grizzly bear with a with an unknown. I mean, you're not rolling out that these impressions may be something else, but that doesn't blow my mind at all. Uh, you're talking about, you know, an area where if Sasquatch is an area, there's an interest or whatnot there, curiosity, but also probably because there's food in the area. What are some of the the resources? I mean, why would Sasquatch be in some of these areas that – let's just, you know, as a as a, a thing here, throw out that you did, in fact, find a Sasquatch impression and, in fact, that Sasquatch did possibly or Sasquatches did, in fact, leave impressions on the vehicle – um, in this scenario, why would they be in this area? What, 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 why would they be there? Is what's the water sources, food? What's going on? Well, apparently, so with this, Justin doesn't want to talk to us anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we were we were grilling him too hard. Yeah, but no, but it's it's Wait, really. He, he, um, hold on, it, here, here he is, Shane. Okay. Hey, Justin, welcome back to Monster X Radio. Hey there. Hey. Um, <laughs> right. Did you hear no, my last question? Guys... I was saying, in this area, why would Sasquatch be there? I mean, uh, saying that, you know, possibly you had found some Sasquatch impressions and maybe had a Sasquatch impression on your vehicle. Just throwing that out there. We don't know. But why would Sasquatch be in this area? I mean, obviously you chose the area. Well, you didn't quite choose the area exactly, but... Why would Sasquatch be in this area? It what, you, do you think that it was just because you guys were there? What are the food sources, water sources? I mean, is it is, is it lush? You know, what's going on? It is quite lush, and there are lots of water sources of life. And it, there, if you get up on the ridges, there is nothing but trees, and there's no cut lines or anything. It's just untouched wilderness. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great spot them to want to, you know, reside. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys get a lot of, uh, do you guys get a lot of, in in this particular area, uh, do you guys, is there a lot of, do you know of the salmon run or, or steelhead run? Is there a lot of rivers in this area where food would be plentiful from the stream as, as and also, are, I mean, I would imagine there's probably a lot of this time of year berries and stuff, uh, you know, in this area. Yeah, we're talking about Norig, right? Yeah, Norig, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't witnessed any salmon runs myself in that area. That's more throughout BC. I know when I was mm-hmm. filming the first segment of the documentary, there was lots of uh, lots of activity as far as the salmon runs go because it was 
in October. But uh, in the Nordic area, like, it's it's very easy for any creature to, to survive. So, like, if if a can survive out there and, and thrive, then it would be very easy yeah. to do the same. No, it sounds like a very plausible area. And I know... Um you probably did a lot of, uh, of research on some of these areas, um, as you did, you know, going into Vancouver Island to, to visit with John Bennernagel. You know, you had ideas as to who you wanted to talk to and areas you wanted to go to, and 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 these areas you went to, um, you you went there uh, for a reason, and uh, you know that always. Um, I'm always curious about why people go to where they go to do this sort of research. What what you know. Why would you go to this area? You had a washed-out road, uh, and you stopped short of your goal, but it may have possibly worked out to your advantage, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was very happy with, like, when we went out there, I was nervous that I would bring friends with me and go out there, and it would be a disappointment. I wouldn't find anything, and they, would, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be impressed with it. But I was very happy that uh, we did have some are and they wondered because most of them were, were skeptical at first right so when they left that place they were they definitely wondered how <laughs> yeah what about audio I mean how uh, being an enthusiast on this subject Justin as yourself and whatnot and, and I'm sure you know growing up and being you know interested in the subject uh, what would you have done differently in some of these areas? Uh, I mean, uh, no one ex- expects to have, well, I shouldn't say that, but, uh, you know, if you're serious about doing this sort of research or at least, you know, putting together a documentary properly, as I, I you have, what it, would you have done differently? Uh, you know, um, did you pack audio uh, to record anything out there? Um, uh, obviously, I don't think you, you track casting any of the cast. Am I correct? No, we didn't. We didn't cast the tracks. I found the moss. It would have been very tricky because mm-hmm. it would just seep down into the into the ground. So we did have all the supplies to do do casts, and uh, we had audio equipment, of course, for the cameras. Oh. And uh, like the one audio recorder I have, it's just a cheaper. It's called a Zoom H1, and it can record for quite a long time, like hours at a yeah. time. So you just have, have it running on the camera constantly, just in case. Mm-hmm. And it's stereo, stereo setup, so it records all around, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you happen to capture any interesting audio, or did you hear any um, interesting audio in person? No, not on any of the trips. Mm-hmm. The only time I ever heard anything interesting was in uh, when I heard the wood knocks years back in uh, right. eastern Alberta. So, yeah. but out to making the film, no, we didn't hear didn't hear anything. Yeah, well, that, I mean that to itself is uh, interesting. You know, a lot of times uh, with supposed Sasquatch uh, encounters, they're, they're, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I fully believe personally that. It's it's all about the scenario uh, where you get some very stealthy Sasquatches coming into camps and areas that you know they don't want to be known. They're just very curious and want to uh, just kind of uh, 
definitely come in and stealthily come out where if they want to be known, they make themselves known. Um, but uh, that's just my personal opinion, and I definitely could be wrong on that. Uh, are, so are you not? Are you saying you're not a Bigfoot expert? Uh oh oh yeah no definitely a Bigfoot expert no I'm just kidding not far from it there is no <laughs> such thing <laughs> I I think uh, I think uh, Justin could speak to that as well I mean with, even with John Benernagle he'll never <laughs> never never claim to be an expert I mean we're talking about a guy that's never actually had a sighting but has looked at the physical evidence and has experienced some some oddities um, but is is willing to look at the subject John. Uh, Tra- you know, John to me is is actually a scientist. He's a the definition of a scientist who looks at looks at presented evidence without prejudgment and and has come to a conclusion that he you know based on the evidence and other mm-hmm. the the vast majority of scientists um, there something has has put a kink in you know in the science realm uh, where where it is taboo, and that's what how John refers to it is that it's taboo, taboo. <laughs> to 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 look at the subject of of Bigfoot. I mean, this is we're talking about one of the the most uh, stunning possible discoveries in in the history of mankind. But but over here we've got science that refuses to look at it. Yeah, and that's that's John Benernagle's biggest conundrum. Is why is it so taboo? Why is it taboo? I mean, that's that's probably his favorite word is the word taboo. <laughs> it, 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 you know, I mean, every time I talk to the guys, right it, up there. It, why? Yeah, it's taboo. And uh, I I think you mentioned something earlier, Gunner, about shooting yourself in the foot. Well, yeah, uh, not just researchers, but uh, those involved with it, or those uh, even trying to really well, pull is... one over on the public. Well, that that and I, yeah, speaking of pulling one out of the public, I I had to, I I noticed this week that uh, a particular um, uh, Canadian, n- yes, yeah, I would say Canadian. That's please a lot. There's a big population in Canada, reasonably sized, that I couldn't narrow it down to one <laughs> person who who all of a sudden popped back up. I also, for some reason, ended up having a a brief conversation with another individual that that is infamous and think is really proud of their infamy and bigfooting, but uh, um, but seems to keep themselves. You know, it, it's the bigfoot community that that allows them to perpetuate them their infamy by like, oh, they're not a bad person. Uh, no, they're not, but they're not a they're a detriment to. The study of the subject. If you have somebody who, because unfortunately, what has happened is, is Bigfoot has been relegated to tabloid status, and for the most yeah. part, the the if there's an uh, article, if there's a a story on Bigfoot in in the press, it's always the um, the idiots. And, uh, and I I use that term loosely because actually they're pretty smart the way that they per- they went to the trouble to create these elaborate hoaxes, but that's what gets attention is the more the negative skew the claim the more right, the, the right. picture it's, it's tabloid yeah. yeah it's tabloid yeah that's yeah. why you know the attention um, seeking individuals get the get attention that that um, when 
when a a legitimate uh, Bigfoot undertaking, but like what what Justin has done, exactly he doesn't get the attention, you know that that a uh, the bar is is so high now to actual you, you're going to have to drag a body in. I mean that's almost uh, where the bar is now. You know, there's as I've said many times, it's three things are going to prove a Bigfoot. A, a, a photograph isn't going to do it. It's a specimen alive or dead. Or a long-term study, where where you are able to corroborate your your study and with document. multiple, right? And document, yes, please. Because as uh, Justin mentions in his film, as most Bigfoot research is not documented, so basically at best it's hearsay, and and that's yeah. very he he nailed that on the head. So well, yeah, and, and Gunner, I mean uh, to Justin's uh, praise. Um, you know, this is what I have found personally, and for me personally as well, uh, looking at the, the subject as a whole, you know, people are fiending for real solid stuff. Um, and Justin put together a, a fantastic documentary uh, without coming to conclusions, just looking at what's out there, um, tracing back what happened to his father and retracing steps, um, you know, searching for Sasquatch. I mean, it's very honest. It's very... Uh, you know uh, it, the, the critique there. I mean, fantastic. And, well, and, and I, I, I like, I really do like um, shows and documentaries where it's not outlandish, and you could just, you know, uh, go along with the journey and uh, experience. One of the things I got out of honestly. one of the things I got out of Justin's Justin out of your your documentary is I've always said like real bigfooting is kind of boring. It wouldn't make good TV. It wouldn't make. <laughs> but you actually, you, actually, you did, you did the way you edited it and put it together. It actually was compelling. It was, you know, um, I'm sure that when you look at it, people think, oh, you know, that. But that's out of a lot of hours of time that you spent out filming and and how you were able to edit it down to make it still be compelling. I mean, if we just sitting around a campfire, you know, or or hearing noises, that's not that interesting. But the way you guys did it was, and and you had enough things happen that made it interesting to watch. You know, if you just went out there and found nothing, it's been a little less compelling. But so I I enjoyed that part watching the as a Bigfoot was on field it. researcher yep. watching you watching the process and and seeing people actually. Um, Oh, you know, actually, it's not that boring if if it's done right. Exactly, honesty. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Sells. You don't need to make things outlandish. You don't need to exaggerate what you experience or investigate. Honesty, in its it entirety, sells. And uh, I'm not saying you're trying to sell the documentary. What I'm saying is it makes it that much more interesting to me and to the general public, in my opinion, because nowadays we're throwing so much crap. Um, you and it's basically you're watching tabloid TV or tabloid documentaries, and this is not one of those documentaries. No. Oh. Yeah. It it it, uh, it seems to me like there's two different kinds of documentary or show you see. Like there'll be the documentary where it's strictly just interviews, interviews with experts and people who know what they're talking about, and that's the film. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's all the shows you see on TV where everything gets amped up and amped up and amped up and then it cuts to a commercial break and then you get back to the show and nothing happens so it's i kind of i wanted to do something <laughs> different and yeah hey i i had uh, not 
because Cliff is a friend of ours, and, and I, I uh, am, uh, I'm actually still a fan of Finding Bigfoot. A lot of, uh, yeah, you're right. That is actual not. If you talk to any of the the Bigfoot researchers that, that appear on the show, which is three of them, and and the token skeptic, is that 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 whole show is made for entertainment. Um, right. And I defend I I defend finding Bigfoot in that it's it's kind of this our generation's or not our generation, the new generation's. Um, it, in search of, in terms of raising awareness of of the the topic, um, there's some outlandish right. stuff that, that that goes on there, and and uh, but I I I give kudos to the the folks that are because there are, are three people on there that are actually are Bigfoot researchers, right. like or dislike Mr. Moneymaker. He has you know he created the BFRO that. That almost all of us that are in big footing, a lot of us came connected to each other through the VFRO. So, and Bobo is is actually a really bright guy, well read, and uh, and an active Bigfoot during. And Cliff is a, a like a Bigfoot encyclopedia, um, brilliant, actually, yeah. you know, bordering on genius. So he probably he probably would say he's over the line of genius, but but really smart guy. Um, but yeah, let's and, let's uh, be honest though. Let's be honest and say that most of these reality shows, in, as a whole, right. whether it's Bigfoot or not, I mean, we don't even, mm-hmm. we only have to talk about Bigfoot. We can talk right. about all reality, the reality is, shows. Is a, a misnomer. It, it, it's a misnomer, it's and, it's ab- and, and it's right. entertainment. And and uh, right. it, it you know, um, the, these reality shows love haters and lovers the same. They're both the same because. That these people that come in and attack the show, they're watching it, and the people that love the show are defending it. So it's it's a win-win for these shows. And what I appreciate, uh, what, like what Justin has done here, is a documentary um, that is honest. It's it's not coming to any conclusions. It's not right. It, it and it, it but it is reality. It, it it's reality, but honest reality. And um, I want. Uh, uh, future documentaries like what Justin has done, which we have seen in the past, where it's just honest. Yeah, but they're more and, aware. Uh, they're the exception, not the rule. Exactly, exactly. Right. And it, it's frustrating right. for me because I like TV. I, I, I like watching um, documentaries on science and animals and, and places people go. I love those, uh, and that's what I watch. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but I do watch – um, things where I feel I can learn something, and uh, quite honestly, Justin's documentary is one of those. Uh, I, you know, I, I've never been to Canada. I've never been to Vancouver Island. Uh, I've never, you know, um, been to some of the places he's been. I've never seen the scenery. It's honest. It's in your face. It's it's uh, it's compelling, and you really get a feel for uh, other areas where Sasquatch may reside um, or possibly reside. And you, you just get a better picture of it all, and that's 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 what I think we need to get back to, whether that'll happen or not. Because I think most of these, um, well, I've seen some. Po- there are some positive stuff going to come down the road here, no doubt. Uh, I know for a fact. But um, this is where we well, need to get back mo- to the new Monster X Bigfoot show. For one, is good. Oh, there you go. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. That one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, I want. 
I really want to encourage uh, those listening and, and, and like Justin here who has put together something uh, extraordinary and taken the time to do this uh, to continue on and, and not get involved with the uh, the clicks and the likes and everything, but really put some honest pieces together here. And, and uh, I think it, it is sellable. It is, people really like this sort of thing. Because uh, it, it just it's an eye opener in a lot of ways, and and what's being shown right now on TV and everything else, it can be uh, disheartening and and um, well, one of, a big one of the drop off. We, one of the things I, I guess I and and Julie brought it up in the chat room is that you know it's it's great for kids. It's kind of finding Bigfoot is kind of Bigfoot 101, and and what Justin has done is the next level of like people that are interested in the subject and have a true interest in seeing evidence collection, evidence, you know, and, and um, will enjoy uh, what Justin's done because it's, it's actually more like field research and, um, and, and brought in um, Dr. Bendernagel to, to uh, validate and, and share his, his views on on the subject is it's a big um, step forward. It's like another level of, of college course. If if finding Bigfoot is Bigfoot 101, actually if uh, Mountain Monsters is is on the other side, it's like a remedial course. Then you have finding Bigfoot, and now now you have some some people that are going out and making some uh, um, uh, documentaries that that have some substance to them. So. Thank you for yeah. doing that, Justin. We do appreciate the efforts that you've put into presenting something real and substantive, and and uh, and you actually, I I was of the opinion that real Bigfoot research is kind of boring, but <laughs> you, you managed really to <laughs> so you actually managed to distill that that down, and and I'm that that is a. Uh, Hours and hours of of filming, I'm sure that that you distilled down to an hour and a half of of a documentary. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff like that I wish I could have put into it. In addition, mm-hmm. but just you have to keep it short. And if right. I put yeah, everything I wanted to do in it, it would mm-hmm. yeah, it would have been it would have been way too long. I mean, there was I actually went out in the winter of 2015, early 2015. And filmed a whole another segment. It would have been a third of the film, but just due to time, I, I couldn't have it in there. So, Justin, you've you've had your first Bigfoot uh, documentary experience. What do you have any plans for doing something? You know, is there going to be a um, Wild Man two? There very well could be. I'm I'm bouncing around ideas in my head, and I am very keen on going out again and and having another go at it. It's it is addictive going out and you know <laughs> having an opportunity to maybe find something very very incredible. And I don't know. It's very alluring, and I would love to go back out with the cameras and do it all again. So it's it's definitely on the table as a future project. Yeah, and and uh, you know you have an open um, welcome to, to join us in the Olympics, uh, which 
uh, you know, is in uh, northern Washington. And, uh, you know, I'm sure um, I, I would hope, quite honestly, that you've been, I, I, and I don't know this for a fact, but I hope you've been approached by others, having viewed your documentary or uh, viewed, uh, have, that have followed you, that uh, you've been reached out, you know, to maybe join them in some of uh, their endeavors, because there's a lot of great individuals involved with this. Um, even if you went back to um, Vancouver Island, you know, Cindy Dosen, uh wow. Uh, are, are you, do you know the, the name Cindy Dosen? Justin? I've are heard it familiar? before, but I'm not, I'm not quite familiar with her. Okay. Well, she's, she's, you know, um, on the same Island, you know, obviously as, as John Bindernagel and, um, uh, Cindy she's one of those awesome. people that she was, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I was able to had, meet Cindy initially through the BFRO and then she's now a member of the, the Olympic project. And she, well, she doesn't, she does like hair analysis, um, yes. which is not the same as DNA analysis, but she, she takes hairs of unknown or, or, and, and can compare them to hairs of known origin animals versus um, those of unknown origin. And where, um, you know, if you just sent me hairs and I was good at looking at them, I, I the best I could probably do is look at them and say, um, yeah, they're, they're not anything of a known animal. But she has some sample hairs that, that have been gathered in conjunction with, with a, a Bigfoot incident. So yeah, but she's awesome. But what's cool is, you know, I, right, right now we're getting a lot of documentaries from the United States. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of documentaries or filming in Canada. You, you, you're a breath of fresh air, Justin, for that, <laughs> that fact. Um, I know Seth Breedlove has made some, and you're probably well aware of his right. name with Minerva Monster and whatnot done some great yeah great great stuff down here i mean have you talked to seth breedlove at all actually yeah um yeah. Uh, my film is actually screening at the minerva monster festival fantastic. next friday so yeah fantastic but what's refreshing is that it from being here in the states seeing stuff from outside the states and you're providing that and that's that's uh that's awesome i hope you do more uh, on this subject, I think you have a lot, a, a fresh approach. I love your filming. Uh, I love what you have to bring to the table. And, uh, I mean, interviewing John Bendernagel for me is fantastic. He's a hero of mine. Um, I want to do, personally, as a researcher and a, a podcast host, I want to do guys like this justice. And um, they're, they're, some of these guys are getting up there in their age. And I want to make sure that. They leave the well, we lost, Yeah, we lost John Green not too long ago. So, exactly. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, and Peter Byrne is is advanced in this age. We lost Grover Krantz a while back. So, yeah, it's. I want to do them justice, and I think these documentaries really uh, can capture, uh, uh, you know, people like John Bendernagel in their elements and in their honesty. And to me, that. Uh, is, is 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 phenomenal and is a legacy and I can't thank you enough for for taking this venture on Justin in in, in capturing John in his element in his honesty and the purity uh that you did. Fantastic job. Thank you, yeah. It was such a great experience to to meet him and, and to see see where he was coming from and to see what 
he was doing and what his future research is and how he views the whole Bigfoot community. So it's pretty eye-opening to hear it from, you know, somebody who's right on top. So, Right, right. Right. What are your future plans, though? I mean, do you have anything? I know Gunnar mentioned this, but do you have anything on 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 the agenda here? Do you have any ideas? I mean, or are you just sitting back on, wow, I just got done uh, doing this documentary. I'm going to rest for a while. Or are you just ready to get back out there? Well, I sit down now all the time, and I think to myself, I want to rest, but it's it's really hard not to. I don't think I could resist doing another one. I'd, I'd have to do it. It's it's addictive and it and it's the sense of adventure you get going out and filming stuff in the, in the real world and in the wilderness is it's a lot of fun and yeah it's it's definitely on the table. So. Oh, fantastic, fantastic stuff! And uh, uh, I think uh, Canada, in general, in some of these areas, Vancouver uh, Island, and uh, some of these, I mean. Canada is so big. It's so so many portions of it are so remote. I don't think people realize or appreciate the fact that uh, there's so much land there, and you guys have so many. I mean, you got grizzly bears and everything else, and wolves, and the phenomenal um, stuff that goes on out there. Uh, I'm stoked if if you do more stuff in Canada, but I'd love to have you down here, uh, south of your border, to do some filming. Um, I think you would do it just and capture uh, what's really going on, not just within the Bigfoot community and not just with the, the researchers involved, but but the subject as a whole. And uh, there's very few people that I think are capable of doing this um, based on their history. You're one of those, Justin. You're one of those guys that um, is excited about the subject but very skeptical and honest, and that's what's lacking in these documentaries nowadays. Uh, everybody wants to sell something, get something on TV, and make it so interesting, and they lavish on 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 stuff, and it gets uh, distorted, and that's a shame. But I think purity in these documentaries, uh, like what was seen in you know days past, uh, before reality TV, uh, I think that's that's the most compelling stuff, and. Uh, it's unfortunate that science is not involved with this as a whole, but we can get there. I think we can if we do things right. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and, and thank you. And I would be very, very excited to, to join you guys down south at some point and dust off the old passport. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I will everything. be dusting mine off. And I'm dusting mm-hmm. mine off to head up to your country next week to be part of uh, the the unfortunately named Operation Sea Monkey. Um, But (laughs) but it is apt. It is is apt given what we're doing. So we are going to, you know, we're actually taking a boat up to uh, the islands, the archipelago, if I pronounce that right, islands off of British Columbia and are going to be looking for, um, there's, there's a history there of some sightings and activity and, and uh, like I said earlier, I'm just honest, honored to be uh, have been invited to to join these gentlemen, and 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 we will have a, a, a cinematographer along to to document uh, our efforts. So hopefully, we'll have something cool to share with people when we get back from uh, 
from our adventure up north. And I, I do want to thank uh, Mr. Todd Neese for uh, inviting me to join um, some – and Thomas Steenberg, which is – who is uh, – uh, someone who I look up to in, in his research and stuff. And I know that, that uh, our friend Julie Wrench, <laughs> that our friend Julie Wrench is very excited that I'll be uh, joining up in uh, the great white North. So um, I won't be too far from where your dad had his, you know, had his encounter, but. Uh, oh, very, very close. And it's, it's a great area. When I was when I was talking to John, he was setting up to record some audio um, off the east coast of the island in a place called Alert Bay. They had some mm-hmm, vocalizations mm-hmm. heard out there, so that's that's what he was working on when when I interviewed him. That's interesting because today I received a file of which I haven't had like right before the show started. Um, one of our uh, members of our of team Sea Monkey. <laughs> and I laugh every time I say it, but but uh, uh, sent me up some files over from Alert Bay that I need to listen to before uh, uh, when I get off of, of our show today. So um, it's interesting. It it was great this uh, having you on the show and and you uh, going into the area where your dad had his encounter. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was how uh, long ago did your was your dad and dad's encounter between the time that he had it and you went to to the lake to figure to investigate it to have your own experience? It was a little over six years. Okay. So there was quite a bit of time that had passed, and the crazy thing was that the lake that he was at, where he had his experience, since then had been logged like the the logging companies moved right in there and they they built a road right around the lake that they could use to to deforest that area so it's kind of sad that you know a place where the big could have been would mm. probably not be in that exact area anymore due to the fact that it was logged but like you said before they do they do replant which is good yeah yeah, but that well, makes you but wonder. There have been some, there have been some um, logging going on, as you said, be, between the time that your dad had his encounter and the time that you were up there. It still looked really, really uh, forest, heavy, heavily forested, and um, I, I just got a kick out of your when you were recording and you're talking about how freaked out you were getting as it got dark, and you know when you go out by yourself into the woods looking and you're looking for Bigfoot. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a different mindset than you know, being at home sitting in front of watch your watching finding Bigfoot on TV on Sunday night. Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> and and the bush there, the bush there is so thick. Mm-hmm. Like the the areas that weren't logged, the it's so thick you would need a machete to walk through there. Like you couldn't hike through the through the bush. It's and like you had to go around to the back. You had to go around to the back side of the lake to where because it wasn't on the the site where you were camping that that uh, it was on the opposite side of the lake is where your the rocks had the rock incidents took place so exactly. did you make yeah. it all the way around it, it's interesting because when i was watching that segment of your documentary it, re, it really reminded me of shane's encounter um back uh, when he had his sighting because it was on a lake um there was activity on the opposite. There's been activity on the opposite side of the lake, 
Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, you guys were up there not a couple weekends ago, Shane, and had uh, uh, some interesting audio stuff happen. So, yeah. Um, of course, that that area, I I had the privilege of going and and seeing it, and I love I love Bigfoot stories with people. But I, what I love better is like going to the place where somebody had their encounter and seeing all, and getting the context of like this is this is where I you know this is where I actually saw the Bigfoot. This is where I found the footprints. It's, I mean, it that is uh, so much better than just hearing a story. But right, right, yeah, and and that's that that goes to uh, Justin's credit that he went out and 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 that's actually really cool <laughs> that. Your dad had it was two thousand miles or something. Yeah, two thousand miles from yeah. from home. Yeah, yeah it's two it's thousand yeah. kilometers from Edmonton, so it was oh, quite a ways kilometers. away. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're still on miles down here in the the <laughs> state. So. <laughs> do some some math yeah. here. But to Justin's credit, you know that's exactly right, uh, Gunner. That's exactly right. Is 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 actually. Uh, uh, rather than uh, talking on a phone or or, or or just even being person with the, with those that witnessed stuff or heard stuff or whatever, had an experience, it's actually going to the area. Um, that is key. Mm-hmm. I think as a researcher, an enthusiast, a documentarian, whatever, you, you get a real good feel and you get to uh, relive what they experienced um, and, and, and make judgments based on you being out there and that's, that's, that's killer. And, uh, uh, that's why I love documentaries like what Justin had done because his dad had an experience and, uh, he went there and, um, you know, he probably went there going, okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, Justin, if, if you just took your dad's word, uh, as I mean, uh, totally legit, or if you went out there going, okay, do I want to explain, you know, being in the area where my dad had a, a supposed encounter, and 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 get a feel for it. You know, I mean that that's, you know, that's kind of a leap of faith, but also that's what research is, and that makes for a great documentary. I mean, what were your perceptions there? Well, it's it was hard because he was he is my dad, so yeah. naturally I want I want to believe him, right? Right. But you have to, you can't get sucked into that. You have to. Yeah. Go out, and I mean rocks. Rocks fall all the time in the mountains. So mm-hmm. driving all the way out there for like a rock throwing experience was. It did seem kind of crazy at the time, but the the way my dad spoke to me about it and told a story, and just seeing how he he seemed very acted earnest. And like, yeah. yeah, like it. I I had to take it seriously because just. His his honesty and 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 the way he presented himself, it, I didn't get the feeling that he was skeptical at all. I I felt like he truly believed that what he had happened to him was legitimate. Right. And 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 what's really cool for me hearing this is why would your dad try to pull one over on you? I mean, they're really, uh, you know, uh, trust me, my my dad's played plenty of pranks on me and stuff, but when he's serious, he's serious. And um, to let someone go that distance uh, without giving up uh, a joke is, is kind of ludicrous. Uh, and you know your dad better than anybody. So um, that's what I appreciate uh, is the fact that you went out there um, on a whim. And, you know, 
on a whim, but uh, believing that your dad made it, had something happen, and uh, you know, and put this whole thing together, not based on your. I won't say I doubt it was based on just your dad's experience, but your interest in Sasquatch in general, and talk to the people you talked to, uh, and spent the time doing this on your dime, and uh, made quite a very um, uh, interesting and fantastic film. Uh, it, it, if, if there are viewers out there that you know are very skeptical, and I appreciate that, watch this documentary. Um, if nothing else, just for the scenery because it's breathtaking. It is breathtaking, and uh, Justin, really, uh, I'm looking forward to what you you bring down the road here. I mean, I, I think you're going to be. Uh, I really do believe that you're going to bring um, some really amazing documentaries. I hope you kind of. Uh, Bring bring back the feeling I had as a kid watching like In Search of and some of these other and, and, and even National Graphic uh, documentaries where I was just there and enjoying what they were experiencing and 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 whatnot. So that to me is a plus, and I hope that we get back there and less of this uh, reality TV where things are exploited and uh, just not truthful. I always call yeah. like mockumentaries. <laughs> versus documentaries. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, they right. take the subject and they make a make fun of it, and and this watching, um, you know, an hour and a half when when you watch a good, for me as a Bigfoot like a researcher, but also a Bigfoot enthusiast, I like Bigfoot things, you know. So watching a a cool documentary an hour and a half, it's like it's over already, you know that. That uh, when I when I have that feeling after watching something big footy that that was good for me, and uh, that was the case with watching uh, the Wild Man, my search for Bigfoot. So we're not just sucking up to you because you came on Monstrex, by the way. <laughs> we tell you if, well, thank if you. your documentary sucked, we you would not, <laughs> exactly. this, would not this would not be an enjoyable documentary <laughs> interview for you so the, the the phone wouldn't have been cutting out it would have been <laughs> it would have just it would have just been dead dead silence yeah no but it it i appreciate the effort that you put into to uh, making a quality product and and um, folks need if you enjoy you know if you're a bigfoot enthusiast you're a bigfoot researcher you will equally enjoy uh, Justin's documentary. So, so we're getting close to the end of the show. And Justin, do you have anything you want to say before we we close out? Yeah, I was just going to say one more thing. Um, like, I I really did want to take the whole project very seriously because I believe it is a very serious subject, and and there could be lots of very important things to learn if if the Sasquatch is close to human in any way I mean it could tell us a lot about not just the Sasquatch and, and what they do and, and how they behave and what they're like but also maybe more about human beings and, and the history of human beings if they've maybe evolved along the lines of humans or related to us in any close way like that it could be beneficial to, to learning more about our history so I think it's it is very important and mm. more important than maybe the general population thinks and, and gives it credit for? Well, I, I find that the general public does not give much thought to the subject, and what they've been exposed to for the most part has been uh, like tabloid. And and your documentary, I think the big family community needs to get it out there and promote it 
because it is something that talks about the subject seriously. And it's refreshing. Again, yeah. Yes, it is refreshing. So, Justin, thank you for joining us today on Monster X. We're about out of time. Uh, I will be gone next week. It will be Shane Corson, uh, or we may be actually doing a pre-recorded episode of Monster X. I will be up in Canada looking for Bigfoot, and I will, I'm ha- excited to tell you what happens when I get back. So for my co-host, Shane Corson, and for our guest, Justin, whose last name I will not attempt to pronounce, <laughs> this is Kenner Monson for Monster X Radio. Thanks, everybody. Squatch on. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.